You know, we are two full years into this pandemic and we are still being inundated with misinformation and disinformation and outright lies about COVID, about mitigations, about treatments and prevention. We've been very fortunate these last several months to be joined regularly by Dr. Tracy Smith with the Illinois Public Health Association. And on a day when uh, the state has announced that it will move toward loosening some of the mitigations, uh, lifting the mask mandates in a number of settings, not all of them, but a number of them, it's um, very fortunate that Dr. Smith is uh, here with us today to talk about all of this and help us put it all in perspective. Dr. Tracy Smith, welcome back to the program. Thanks, as always, for your time. Thank you. Well, let's let's start with the announcement today from Governor J.B. Pritzker that in many settings, in uh, stores and businesses, and while you're waiting for your table at a restaurant, et cetera, you'll no longer be required to wear a mask after February 28th, as we are seeing uh, hospitalization rates and other metrics coming down dramatically over these last several weeks. Uh, The state public health director, Dr. Ngazi Azike, uh, noted, though, uh, that doesn't mean that you, you shouldn't wear a mask, and you still can, and it's still advisable. So uh, bring us uh, up to date on um, what what we know to, today, uh, you know, when we get new data all the time on the efficacy of masks and why people uh, shouldn't just uh, throw their masks away once the mandates lifted at the end of the month. Yeah, so we know that um, there was many aspects that the governor took into account as he made his recommendations, right? You know, he's being advised by some of the best scientists we have in Illinois and in the nation to make the decisions. and. His decision so far for Illinois has probably been very influential in us being able to make it through the massive Omicron surge more quickly than some of our neighboring states, like Indiana, who had hospitalizations who have fallen by 36.5% at the peak for their surge, while here in Illinois, we've had hospitalizations drop by 64.3% in our peak. Um, and they have half, you know, uh, uh, half the population of Illinois. So the So when we look at a state that has masking differences from what we've had in the state of Illinois, we see that the state of Illinois' masking has has probably had a huge impact on this. And what we know, again, as we have always stated, is that as we gain more knowledge, the longer we're in involved in this pandemic, the more knowledge and science we receive, the more recommendations we can build upon that. So as you said today, we saw that the governor came out with the changes in those recommendations. Um, But what we still want to encourage individuals to do is to still be very vigilant about masking when it's appropriate, right? So we know that masking in large crowds or if you're going to be exposed, have someone in your family who is immunocompromised or around individuals who are not vaccinated, masking is still a vital part of this this control efforts that we're making. So we really want to encourage people to go to the CDC website, go to Help Guide Thrive, go to IDPH's website to see what those continued recommendations are for masking in high-risk situations and to make decisions that fit the environment that they're in every day. So we, that's where we really want to 
people to start to think and to focus on that that knowledge that's out there. Uh, it should be noted, uh, again, as we talked about all this afternoon, that uh, while this uh, relaxation of the mitigations applies in some settings, it does not apply in all. Some places are covered by federal guidelines like public transportation, long-term care facilities, etc. Uh, and in other cases, uh, the governor says that schools, for example, uh, are, are a different situation. Uh, he wants to keep masks in place there. And there's a lot of confusion on that issue this week because of the court ruling that came down Friday and uh, to whom does it actually apply? Uh, districts have been loath to uh, to change the rules and maybe have to change them back again if that uh, ruling is overturned. So there's a, just a, a lot of, uh, of upheaval and uncertainty right now about this. Uh, but Dr. Smith, uh, the, the bottom line here is, again, uh, do masks provide a benefit in the school setting? We've had some uh, lawmakers today, some politicians saying there's no evidence uh, that masks provide a benefit uh, to students K through 12. Uh, from your perspective, what is the benefit, if any, to masking in schools? And uh, does it make sense to keep a mask mandate in place in schools for a while longer? You know, we're still collecting the information to, to make that scientific decision. We do know that masking is one part of decreasing virus spreads of multiple viruses. So with a lower vaccination rate among our kids in school, vaccinate, uh, masking is still part of that process to decrease um, virus spread. And so when we look at our adults in the state of Illinois, we, have a, we are you know, having some of the highest state rates of vaccination. And, and we know that as we get more vaccinations, that is our way out of this, right, to get vaccinated and we can start then to pull back on our masking. But right now, our kids in schools do not have that same high rate of vaccination that we're seeing among adults. And so at this point, if, if we look at science, science would tell us that we should put multiple layers of protection in place. And that would include, from a public health direction, continuing to mask as much as possible. We'll obviously wait to see how the, the court fight plays out on all of this. Uh, and as you noted, the governor cited figures today uh, saying that of uh, eligible school-age children, only about 23% are vaccinated. And obviously there are children who are in schools, uh, some children anyway, who are too young to be vaccinated, at least for now. Bring us up to speed on where we stand with the possibility of vaccination for younger children, children under the age of five. So we know that the FDA will um, advisory panel will meet on February the 15th to consider vaccinations for people aged six months to four years. So, you know, this is an exciting time. We're getting to move um, vaccination rates, um, vaccination potential down into those, those younger ages, which will help us to continue to find our way out of this um, current um, struggle that we're having with COVID. So the data is going in front once they approve it. Then they can move to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention for approval. And we know that, you know, the Center for Disease Control, the FDA, and the scientists are, are working diligently to continue to move this along in the, the pace that needs to be done in a safe, effective manner, but also to get this out into the community to help protect those that are young.
Dr. Tracy Smith here with this Illinois Public Health Association. Doctor, what are you hearing as you're talking to, to people out in the community? You know, we've all had uh, to to take our children through vaccination regimens in, in their infancy, uh, you know, and at various well baby checkups, you get, uh, you know, any number of, of shots. And, and it's tough as a parent because your, your child cries when they get stuck by the needle. But, you know, it's good for them. And it's something we've all, at least most of us, have done uh, and just innately understanding. It's for their benefit here. Are you sensing more resistance, more reluctance to the COVID vaccination for younger children just because of the way that it it has been, you know, it's become so politicized and propagandized out in the public? Uh, And is that going to be an impediment toward the the type of vaccination levels that could really make a difference here? You know, we've seen that concern coming into the discussions and the vaccination rates for our younger kids, especially our 5 to 11-year-olds. Um, but, and I, I suspect that we will see that same concerns being, um, you know, coming to us as we roll out to younger individuals and parents. And, you know, I, it's very fair for parents to be asking these questions. So I encourage them. Speak to your your primary care physician. Call your local health department. Call for the questions that you have, so that those those healthcare providers can provide you with what we know is information that is trustworthy to help you make that decision. So yes, we you know we do expect those continued concerns, just like we've seen in those five to eleven year olds. But now's the time for parents to. To, to be able to ask those questions. And I know that your primary care providers, your pediatricians, your local health departments are anxiously waiting for those questions to be asked because we want help we want to help parents make the most informed decision they can around the vaccinations. In addition, uh, there's uh, more talk about a possible new vaccine for uh, adults or at least a variation of vaccine for adults. What's the latest on that? Yeah, so we know that there is a lot of discussion going on around that, and we should be hearing more in the near future. Um, You know, there has been a request um, for a FDA authorization process towards getting a different vaccination in place. So, you know, I'm anxiously waiting for that, too, as um, we see that coming out. It's it's going to be a it's a process, and they've been working through it. But I think that we will see that, and and this is typical, right? This is what we should expect as we are we've had more time to collect data, to to do the scientific studies that need to be done, and start to roll out the different types of vaccination approaches um, to COVID nineteen to be able to offer more opportunities um, for individuals. And finally, before we let you go, we have, of course, seen this explosion of cases over the last couple of months. And while that is finally now starting to uh, to wind down, uh, we've had an awful lot of people uh, get infected over these last few weeks. One of the things I, I hear pretty regularly is, well, hey, I'm, I'm good now. I've got natural immunity. I, I had COVID. I got through it. I'm OK. So now I don't really have to, to worry about it anymore. What do people need to know about reinfection with COVID? Uh, uh, you know, is there sort of a latency period after an infection where you really are in the clear or, you know, are you at risk of, of catching it again if you're not being careful with your own personal precautions? So those are all great questions. So we know that reinfections do occur after COVID-19. We know that's a fact. Um, we are still, again, like we said, this is this is a new area. And so we are diligently in the, the medical r- arena collecting more information so we can provide 
better informed information to the residents so they can make really have the science behind this kind of conversation around infections, reinfections. There are ongoing studies that are being done to help us understand how often do those reinfections occur? Who is at higher risk of reinfection? How soon do reinfections take place after a previous infection? And how severe are those reinfections? And what's the risk of transmissions to others after reinfection? Those are all very valid scientific questions that are being studied. At this point, with how new the reinfection process is with the virus, the, the answers to those questions, we may not have, you know, the facts to provide. We do know that reinfections occur. And so, again, being very diligent, getting vaccinations is critical to helping to decrease reinfections, we know. But, you know, we still know people can get reinfected even with the vaccinations. But we do know it decreases that. And so we really have to get vaccinations in place. That also starts to decrease the variance that starts to occur. And so by decreasing the variance, we decrease those initial infections and those reinfections. So again, we come back to vaccinations. And um, that's why I would encourage everybody to make sure you're, you're getting your questions addressed by someone who has the scientific knowledge to help you make the most informed decision about getting those vaccinations. The Illinois Public Health Association has a website available, lots of good information there. So Tracy, what is that web address? Helpguidethrive.org. That's all together. Helpguidethrive.org. Dr. Tracy Smith with the Illinois Public Health Association. As always, thank you for your time. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.